Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. What is good, everybody? Welcome back. Coast to coast at you again. Uh, it's a holiday edition. We are recording this on Labor Day weekend because in Inside Carolina, the grind never stops. Was that lame enough, guys? Was that, was that cheesy enough to start with? You could have said ballless life or something. Uh, that's coast right. to coast. You know, um, well, so anyway, <laughs> you guys are tuned into. If we haven't lost you yet, you guys are tuned into the Coast to Coast podcast here on Inside Carolina. I'm your host Joey Powell. With me, as always, uh, the venerable Sean Moran and Sherelle McMillan. Sean, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, thank you. Sherelle, how about you, man? Good. Enjoying the weekend. Other, other than my lame start. <laughs> hey, look. Let's get some business out of the way before we get rolling. As usual you're listening or watching this and whatever medium you're consuming it please take a second to subscribe rate and review us if we're doing great let everybody know we're doing great if we're doing a poor job let us know that too because we don't want to continue being schmucks out here and doing schmuck things for for you guys we'd rather rather up our game if you feel like it needs to be raised i also want to give a huge huge shout out to our friends over at johnny t-shirt johnny t-shirt.com Look, y'all, I never thought I'd be saying this. If you'd asked me a month ago, and I, I imagine my, my colleagues would agree, we're supposed to have football this coming weekend, right? Like real live games count football. And I'm, I'm still – I still have to wait till Saturday. You wait till after the whistle blows. <laughs> Until my heart will allow it, I have to wait till Saturday noon. That's fair. Hey, look, protect yourself at all costs, man. So what this means is this game week, it's a new season. you got to have some new gear. Don't be – I know we don't have tailgates, but you're probably going to watch it with some friends, maybe, in a socially disrespectable manner. You may watch it on Zoom, however you want to do it. Don't be wearing old gear. Don't be wearing your uh, 2006 John Bunning slash Butch Davis era football jersey from Nike. UNC has a partnership with Jumpman, which means they got high-end threads. Johnny T-Shirt has those threads for you to purchase johnnytshirt.com they've got uh where you can pick it up at the door just hop out of your car and they'll meet you at the door with you have to go inside if you don't want to or just order it they'll ship it to you in a very reasonable time frame um from what everything that i've experienced and everything that i've heard they're still despite the post office issues they're still getting stuff to people so make sure you take care of johnny t-shirt uh, they've always been taking care of us and they've been great supporters here at insidecarolina.com and of inside carolina podcasts so it's been two weeks since we talked to you guys and would love to say we have you know, a huge list of commitments to talk about. We've got uh, 43 offers that we have to mull through. This is going to be a five-hour program. I don't have that to say. But what I do have is Sherelle and Sean here to talk about what is news, and we will share that with you. And I'm going to let, uh, let Sean start off with a guy that's actually already committed, and he saw some feedback today that had been shared by uh, shared by Inside Carolina. I want you guys to talk about it. Sean, what do you know about Dontrez Styles' highlights? 
Yeah, so it was just actually catching up on the, the message boards, uh, saw the highlights that were posted. I know uh, both Ben and Sherelle commented on them. Uh, once again, only two minutes of highlights, so not a whole lot you can take away. I was actually going to see if uh, they might be on uh, Baller TV, my favorite, favorite uh, streaming station, just to see if there were any uh, full games. But, uh, you know, once again, at least you're getting to see highlights and they're getting some action. You know, I think for, for Styles, um, a few things that, stuck out one is jumpers looking a little more smoother I, you know i know going back to the spring uh you know in the highlights you could always pinpoint this little hitch that he had and it's definitely looking you know a little smoother uh everybody knows he's explosive quick off his feet i think that was shown in the in the highlights when he was uh you know getting out in transition you know definitely i think we've we mentioned before but a two-footed jumper but i think the highlights uh, accentuate that because any chance he got, he was going off of two. Um, I think some of the posters hit on it pretty, pretty well in their analysis of when he was getting the ball in the wing, it was kind of like a, a Naz little almost where you needed, you know, a few dribbles to, to make a move and get going versus at UNC. And as, uh, you know, Sherelle talked about in, in, the, in the scoop this week of, you know, what, what are people looking for in a UNC wing? And it's usually a guy that can is really good that can catch and shoot or somebody that can be very quick and direct uh, with his moves. So once again, um, you know, that, that's probably a thing to look out for going forward. But if he is playing the four, uh, he might have, you know, some of those mismatches where he might have a little more freedom. But overall, you know, once again, I think he's, he's better than what his ranking is. Um, and I think his athleticism will definitely will will help out you know when he's in, when he sorry when he is in uh, Chapel Hill. I love that you mentioned and it's a perfect segue and this is why you guys are pros at this. I love that you mentioned Shrell's write up this week about you know how certain wings have fit in it in in the Roy Williams system. Uh, really, you want to talk about that a little bit? I think there's some really good nuggets that you shared and you know usually while we'd be talking about you know who got offers, we'll get to that. But I'd love for you to kind of expand upon that if you would just a little bit kind of when you say the UNC prototypical wing, what, what can our listeners and what, what can the inside of Carolina subscribers, what can they expect when you talk about that? Can you boil it down for us in a couple of, couple of sentences? Uh, you know, so check out the weekly scoop, uh, subscribe to IC if you, if you haven't, you know, I yes. think it's not just for this weekly scoop, but Don's weekly scoop and team coverage, you know, everything. Um, I think and the 10% that, off a Johnny t-shirt, by the way. I mean, yeah, of course, like who wouldn't, you know, you need that. Um, so the thing I thought that, that surprised me the most, uh, talking to Brandon Robinson, who just graduated from UNC, played alongside Cam Johnson and Justin Jackson and Theo Pinson. So three really, really good wings. Um, and then Adrian Atkinson, our kind of resident, you know, charting and um, analytics expert. Moving without the ball, they both said maybe the most important thing for a UNC wing. And as someone who like follows UNC and knows basketball a little bit, but not at the, the depth that they do, that was surprising because you always hear, well, if you're a wing of Carolina, you need to be able to catch and shoot just mm -hmm. because it's so the system is so reliant upon dynamic point or dynamic lead guards and big men. And you know, the ball is going down uh, into the, the bigs first. That's what they want to do. They want to dominate the board. So I, that surprised me a little bit. Um, but it makes sense because if you have uh, a dynamic lead guard or you have bigs, uh, most of the time the bigs at Carolina are pretty good passers. Mm -hmm. And so if they're drawing double teams, then all you have to do is just move around a little bit. And more than often than not, using their freelance you know, motion offense, you'll be able to find uh, a seam, find a hole in the defense and, and 
uh, get layups. Adrian said Justin Jackson was the best he's ever seen at Carolina at doing that. Um, so that was surprising, one. And then, two, just the emphasis. And I, I guess watching it, you just get conditioned to it. But the emphasis <laughs> on the three or the wing crashing the offensive glass. Yeah. Not just, you know, every fifth possession or every third possession, but every single possession. Uh, Roy Williams and his staff want the wing to crash the uh, offensive glass. So that was surprising. And then there's some other things in there uh, that Adrian and, and Brendan Robinson say that I think will enlighten readers about how UNC um, – likes to, um, you know, uh, use their wings. But the other thing for me, because it started off as like kind of a fact-finding mission, like <laughs> me, Sean, and Ben were in, and Rob Harrington were in our Slack channel just talking like, hey, what is it about Carolina wings? And it was like, well, they need to be able to do this and they need to be able to do that. So we were like, okay, let's try and prove it, whether or not that's true. Um, so that, that part, just finding all that information out was was really interesting to me. But at the same time, you know, you have Theo Pinson who did it one way. You have Wayne Ellison and Cam Johnson who did it the other way. So it matters, but, you know, it doesn't mean – if you're not a certain type, it doesn't mean that you can't be successful at UNC. And that, for me, that was the biggest takeaway is that, uh, you know, Roy Williams is one with different styles and, and players at that position. So all in all, um, it, it was fun to do and talk to Adrian and, and talk to B-Rob and talk to some other people because um, I feel like I learned a lot from it. Yeah, and I will say it translated really well into your write-up. Uh, I'll, again, reiterate everybody who's a premium subscriber right now, go read it. Uh, I think it will give you a lot of insight as to what you see away from the ball. I think a lot of fans are conditioned to just watch the ball when they're watching basketball, and it's, you know, it's hard to get a little further than that. But I think one of the things that Rel was really able to enlighten us on based on who he talked to for this write-up is it tells you just like, like he said, specifically how hard you have to move without the ball, how important it is to come off of cuts hard, how important it is to know, you know, where you're supposed to be after the ball hits the post. I mean, it was a really, really enlightening write up. And I, I just subscribe subscribers, go read it. If you're not a subscriber right now, get premium, then go read it. Sean, what, what can you add to, to, to this? I think it's, it was a really good write up from rail, but I'm sure you've got some insight. No, yeah, it was really good. And, and I was curious how it was going to kind of come together because I think there's a lot of different directions you could go. Um, you know, I think the thing that w was most interesting to me was Sherell went through and listed every wing that had been offered by Roy Williams and the staff, <laughs> which, you know, I don't know, you know. It was painful know, to read sometimes, but yes. <laughs> but, you know, when you look at the players at UNC did get, um, I'll start there first, of just how few really misses there have been. Um, you know, you go through the whole bolded list and obviously you're, you know, when you're recruiting different levels of players, you have different expectations, but you go through that and, and really just how many have succeeded and done, you know, played well at Carolina. And then even when you're looking at all the players that they offered and went elsewhere, whether they were one and done guys or four year guys, like there's not, you know, there, there's a ton of NBA guys in there. There's a ton of, you know, productive college guys. There's not a really any guys that just truly flamed out. Um, so, it, you know, it, it, once again, it goes back to, you know, really them identifying what talent, you know, obviously some of them are, are uh, you know, the five stars that you have to go over. But, um, you know, I think it goes back to them identifying talent and identifying who fits in their system. So I, I love that. I love that Rel mentioned, you know, who Adrian said he thought was the best, uh, the best wing that, that UNC's ever had under Roy. Um, I'd like to find out who you guys feel like your best one are, but first, am I oversimplifying or would a fan be oversimplifying to think that 
the best wings under Roy Williams are going to be the taller ones just for that rebounding addition? Or, or can you be 6'6", as long as you've got the moxie and the, the will, I guess the will and the, the drive to go, you know, put your nose up against the glass? Shrill? Yeah, I think it's the latter. I think, you know, no matter your height, if you go in and, and do what he asks and you're strong enough and physical enough to do it, I think there's some players who, frankly, just haven't had the physical makeup, maybe who were 6'2 or 6'3 to do it. But mm-hmm. if you're 6'3, stocky, and you crash the boards hard and you do what you're supposed to do, I mean, I, I don't think that discounts you. But, of course, I mean, it's just easier being 6'7 um, <laughs> to, to go down there and, and do some of the things on the offensive glass. Additionally, I think defensively, too, it's a big bonus when you're, you know, six six, six seven, and lanky, yeah. like Justin Jackson, like Reggie Bullock, like um, Cam, like Cam, like Leaky Black right now. Defensively, um, that's huge because it, it just it creates so many problems for other teams who, more often than not, are, don't have a six seven or six eight wing. More often than not, it's like a, you know, they have two six three or six four shooting guards, and one of them just happens to be playing the three. Right. Okay. So. While we're at it, Sherelle, who's your favorite wing under uh, under Roy Williams? <laughs> uh, I go back and forth. Like I said something on the message board. I said Reggie Bullock. Um, but then I was like, you know, Justin's my guy, though. I, I, I think Justin Jackson, just everything that he did, the way his career progressed. Um, and then, you know, I have a relationship with his family, so that's part of it, too. I'm biased. But I, I would say Justin and then Reggie. I just, I, just the way those two guys play. I loved it. Very complimentary of other players on the team. Um, and they just never – you never had to worry about them. You know, they were never a net negative, which is a big thing. Yeah. What about you, Sean? Who's your favorite wing under Roy Williams? Um, well, I'm going to cheat on this one because he wasn't, uh, wasn't offered by Roy Williams, but Rashad McCants um, in terms of, I guess, overall skill set because, once again, offensively, you know, he could – really do everything from, you know, shooting 40% plus to, you know, he didn't have a great handle, but he, he was so strong. Um, he could get to the basket and he could post up. Uh, but in terms of looking at guys that they did offer, you know, I think, you know, it's not, I'm not going out on a limb here, but Wayne Ellington, uh, just once again, amazing shooter, pure shooter, uh, but athletic enough as Shrill mentioned to get out and transition, finish at the rim he wasn't a guy that needed a lot of dribbles. Uh, so you look at his usage rate, it wasn't that high for as good as a, of a player that he was. And, um, you know, once again, if, you know, kind of any way I kind of compare to that, just because, you know, for how good of a shooter he was. Um, and I'll, I'll just kind of throw out one more. Um, but I guess you kind of look at Cam Johnson of, of how he was playing his senior year. Once again, the shooting, he did get a lot better off the dribble uh, from his junior year to senior year. Um, and once again, he wasn't a freak athlete that was going to, you know, drive by and, and dunk on you anytime, but just once again, the pure shot, um, you know, it just opens up everything as we saw this past year where you're shooting under 30%, um, you know, and you have guys like those that can knock down 40% and they can get to the rim. That's, that's the ideal wing for me. Yeah. I think, um, I think mine would have to be Wayne just because his stroke was just so pure. But I go back and I think like the additional dimensions he added to his game after his senior year into the year that, that UNC won the title. I would love to have just from a personal level, would love to have seen Cam Johnson get a full four years under Roy Williams just to see what that would have looked like. Totally being greedy. I get it. And, and Rel mentioned Reggie. I think, I think Reggie had an absolute pure shot um, by the time he left. Like it was just, it was so smooth looking. Um, but I got to go Justin too. I, I think it's just for, for his ability and, and yes, maybe it's a little recency bias, but his ability to rebound 
and his ability to defend, his ability to get his hands on the ball, you know, just clogging the lanes, or clogging the passing angles. I feel like he was he was such an all-around player and such a key cog. Uh, and I wish UNC could get like one of him every year because it'd be unstoppable. <laughs> but again, I'm, I'm being greedy and I recognize that. Boys, yeah, I think – Go ahead. I'm sorry, one, one more thing. I think for, for Jackson, I mean, it, it's so long ago, but it feels like yesterday just watched him in all those AAU and high school games with a floater. And mm-hmm. – you know, that, that what's the very underappreciated really shot. What he was kind of known for coming in. And, you know, he carried it into Chapel Hill, I think, for him, because uh, he did shoot the ball well in EYBL, but he was only taking maybe one, one and a half threes per game, I remember. And for him, a lot of us thought he might be that one and done wing. And it really took him to that year three to get his shot going. Um, so, you know, he always had the, you know, the, the nifty floaters and, Offensive rebounds, lay-ins, get out on the break, but it wasn't really until his junior year where finally his his shot came around, and once again that just made him that much that 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 much more dangerous than than he was as a freshman and sophomore. Definitely. So let's move on to the moving and shaking part. Let's get back to um, to what news you guys can can share with us today. Uh, what has developed since the last episode? And Trell, I'm gonna go for you first. Offers that are out there that weren't there when we talked two weeks ago. Uh, it, it's dry. It's the Sahara out here. It's uh, it's desert time. There's you know nothing. Not dessert with... time. Desert time. <laughs> desert time. I mean it's dessert time too. That was, that's coming after I get off the podcast. But uh, you know it's just dry. There's not much going on. Uh, I know we've been saying this for like two or three months, and like yeah, if we keep saying dominoes are going to fall, eventually they're going to fall. I thought there would have been more movement by now by some of these uh, guys who are offered by UNC, um, especially guys like Harrison Ingram. Uh, I think DeMarco Dunn, we talked about him in the weekly scoop, Um, even Hunter Salas. You know, I thought they would be a little bit further along. I thought they'd be a little bit further along, and I'm going to say comma, but I'm not saying they're not going to decide soon. I just figured we'd have at least one of those guys would have announced um, something more uh, substantive by now. Like, you know, Salas has a top 12. I thought that'd be maybe a top three or top five. Um, I think Dunn is, is getting close to a commitment. He said that publicly. Um, and then Ingram, I, you know, I'm not really sure the, the situation there. I, I think he could commit at any time, honestly. Um, him and Dunn, you, I think you definitely have to watch and see because they, they could be very close. All that to say, um, just not much movement. No, no new offers since the last time we talked. Um, you know, uh, the staff had a Zoom call with uh, Sky Clark, who is in the 2022 class, and by all accounts, that went well. Was mention of that in the weekly scoop. Um, but besides that, you know, I think they're just talking to their targets, talking to the offered players, reviewing film, and then, um, you know, depending upon what happens, they're going to have to start getting ready for the season. Uh, you know, I guess we can talk about that later. But typically, right now, this would be the run up to conditioning and you know, the mile run and all those good things that Rogan was likes to do because practice normal in a normal year would start in about three weeks. And, you know, I don't know if that's going to happen this year, but, um, you know, the staff's going to have to start shifting a little bit from recruiting kind of all the time to getting down to the nuts and bolts of getting ready for the season. Sean, what do you think the holdup is in a lot of these guys? I mean, do you think they're waiting for something to change? Do you think that, you know, they're waiting for life to resume to normal? Because we talked last last time about how many – just different elements are going on with not only evaluation, but offering and, and just everything that's involved with recruiting. What do you think's, what do you think these guys are waiting on? That's a good question. I mean, I, I think you've seen some of the guys, especially with Louisville, for instance, uh, some of the guys that 
maybe a little lower ranked that have these larger offers or even a, a, a Brizzy with Villanova um, where they're, they're, they're kind of not taking their chances of waiting around. They, they have these, you know, big, big offers. So they, they're jumping on them. Um, you know, I, I think some of these guys, once again, are it, it, once again, <laughs> where we are in the world of, you know, are they, are they going back to school? Are they not? What's happening with the basketball season? Probably is just giving them a little more pause than, than normal. I mean, as Sheryl mentioned, you know, next week they'd be coming to Chapel Hill for a football game or, you know, playing pickup with, with the current team and probably some of the NBA guys. So it's just such a different dynamic right now. Um, and even some are still playing, you know, as we saw with Styles, they're, they're playing in AU tournaments. So, you know, it's, it's a good question. I uh, don't have a specific, specific answer, but I do think, you know, and it's crazy to think that we're already in September, but, you know, kind of the later September, October timeframe, you'll start to see a little more, a little more movement. I'll, so I'll stick with you, Sean. Uh, speaking of visits, you know, there was rumor that uh, that Kaufman was going to try to take a little bit of a, a look at UNC on his own. Did, have we heard anything about that? Has there been any movement there? Yeah, so I know the the article that he was going to UVA um, initially and then swinging by Chapel Hill, I guess, I think currently, I think it was uh, Saturday afternoon through, through Monday. Um, so, you know, I think for that, I, you know, his school list is down to four. Uh, Indiana, Purdue, UVA, UNC. UNC was the last last one in, and kind of they've been kind of looking a little bit on that outside for that one is what it seems like. But once again, all you do is want a player to visit Chapel Hill, um, and you know once once that happens, things you know you never know what could occur. Obviously, it's a little different not being able to really see the coaching staff and having that in person interaction, but being able to see the campus, being able to see the the Dean Dome all that makes things a lot more real than what they've been over zoom or conversation. So I think that's definitely a positive, uh, especially with how close he is to Indiana, Purdue. He's probably seen those campuses numerous times. Um, I think when you're looking at just UVA, UNC, you know, it feels like UVA, there might be a little easier sell in terms of playing time where this year they're going to have, you know, Hauser and, and Huff and, and they're both going to be seniors. So it's easy to say, Hey, those guys are going to be, for sure gone when you get here versus UNC, it's a little, uh, I'd say murkier, but once again, getting somebody on campus at this point of the year is, is huge. Sherelle, anything to add about, about Trey Kaufman or, or his potential visit now or this weekend? Yeah, I would just say, um, as Sean said, it's, it's, you can't call it a negative. Like it's, I don't know how uh, much it's going to move the meter for him, but it's something like Sean said, because um, no one, I don't, no other recruits have done this so far. Um, and to Sean's point, I think, I think uh, Jeff Rabjohns, who works for the Indiana site, our, our kind of sister site, I think he said he's been to Indiana and Purdue upwards of 15 times. Um, so <laughs> plenty, plenty of familiarity there. Um, the thing with Kaufman, I, every time we talk to someone about him, they say he's a different kid. He's unique. He's different. Um, he's number one in his class. Uh, so he has a lot of varied interests. And so he's not someone, I, I think, who will be um, wooed by a particular situation or, or anything like that as, as far as, like, um, his hometown. You know, he could right. obviously end up at Indiana Purdue, but I don't think it'll be just because, oh, hey, I want to stay at home. I think it'll be, hey, these are, this is the best place for me. Um, so that's a little different from a lot of times when Carolina is going up against some of these guys who – um, have a hometown school a lot of times there's a pool there just to go there because you're from there 
Sure. And I don't think that's the case with him. I do think um, UNC's, uh, I guess you call it tardiness in offering, has hurt it a little bit. Uh, whether or not they're able to mitigate that, I think, uh, you know, we'll see. Um, I, I'd be surprised if they were able to just because they do uh, official visits. And I think this is something we've learned over the years. They take a lot of pride in official visits, and I think it comes through. Um, different players and parents have said, you know, they're not trying to sell us. They're just showing us. And that's a lot different than other places. A lot of places try, try to sell you. And so without being able to do that, without being able to show them Carolina and for them to kind of hear, the, you know, the passion about Carolina coming out from Sean May and, you know, Brad Frederick, like Hubert Davis, all those guys who went to Carolina and played at Carolina, um, I, I think, you know, in the end, that's going to keep, keep, keep UNC from really um, making a move on him. All right. Well, Sherelle, you mentioned somebody a little bit earlier and we touched on it, but I want to go back and spend some time on this because, again, there's, there's not a lot going on, so let's deep dive where we can. What do you guys know about Sky Clark? A 20 kid, you know, kid in the 22 class. Uh, Sean, I'll go to you first. I mean, he's a wing. We've been talking about wings tonight. What, what can you share with, with our, our listeners and viewers about Sky Clark, just his game from a, from a high level? Well, well, he's a guy I'm, I'm kind of regretting not, uh, not taking the advantage I had this past uh, fall and winter to get out to, to see him in person uh, playing high school, given he was in the Southern California area, now has since moved to Nashville. So that window of opportunity has, has gone, gone out. Uh, but I think uh, one of the more interesting comments from the Zoom uh, was really how he sees himself as a point guard. Um, I think when you, when you watch him, you definitely think combo in terms of he's, he's a scorer more than a facilitator. So I think that comment to me stuck out the most, but he's a guy that is, you know, once again, not a 10 on the athletic rating level, but he can handle the ball. He can get to the rim he can shoot it. He can, he can do a little bit of everything. Uh, I, I know I got to watch him when he was playing with the Atlanta Celtics um, a little bit. And, you know, once again, that was kind of a case where, the highlights show one thing and then I got his actual stats, which, you know, once again, it's just one, one game, but in that game, they, they didn't nearly do justice to what everybody was seeing on the highlight. So, um, you know, for him, I, I think once again, a, a really talented combo guard will be interested to see if he is that uh, facilitator that he says he is. And the other comment was, I think a lot of people have been expecting him to potentially reclass. He seemed to say that he was focused on 2022, obviously, Things can, things can drastically change. So, you know, for, for me, I'll just be interested to see how he progresses. Obviously, he had a great sophomore year, but can he, you know, continue that? And, you know, how does he really look uh, once we get back into, you know, hopefully his junior season? Really, thing you want to add about Scott Clark? I would just say, you know, he's a great scorer. Uh, he's a very versatile scorer. And I think that is attractive to UNC. Uh, you have to consider their depth chart. I know that's two years out. But, again, you, you look at the backcourt and say, where is the perimeter scoring coming from in the backcourt? Um, and R.J. Davis can't do it by himself. I think Anthony Harris, you know, depending upon his health, is a good player and, and one who will uh, thrive defensively and is definitely confident in that side of the ball. Whether or not he can score, you know, kind of in the ACC consistently in double figures, I think, is a big question mark. And depending upon what happens in the 2021 20, class, then, you know, RJ Davis is going to need some help scoring in the backcourt. And that's what I think Scott Clark brings a lot of. I think 
you know, whether or not he considers himself a point guard, I think at this point is immaterial because in certain systems, you know, people play two point guards. I mean, Kansas has been doing that for really the last 10 years and playing essentially what are two point guards and, and um, they've been fine. And they, both of those got, you know, usually both of the guys in the backcourt ended up um, doing well, going to the NBA, having good careers. Um, Roy Williams has done it since he was at Kansas. He's done it at Carolina numerous times with, you know, uh, I guess most recently with Marcus Page and, and Joel mm-hmm. Berry. Um, but he's done it at, at Carolina too. So I don't think that's a huge issue that Carolina's going to have to deal with because they do have an offer out in 2022 to Jaden Bradley, who, uh, while not a North Carolina native, has spent a good amount of time in North Carolina. Now he's down at IMG Academy in Florida. Um, so I think you start to see what they're looking for in the class. And I think it's another ball handler already because uh, that's what um, Bradley is really smooth, um, just really polished for his age. And then you see Sky Clark, who also is polished, but, you know, in a different way. Um, versus, like I said, versatile score. So um, I think that's what they need in the backcourt. And I think he, he brings that. And I think that's why um, we were a little surprised when they offered. But I think that's why they offered, just because um, they know that scoring in the backcourt is going to be a need here in the next over the next two classes. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Awesome. And so as we get closer to the end of today's show, is there anything that we need to keep our eyes on? You know, I know we don't try to predict when guys are going to commit, but, uh, you know, last time we talked about, we felt like maybe DeMarco Dunn's process was coming closer to an end. Uh, Sherelle, anything we need to keep our eyes on, potential new offers that are, are, you know, in addition to guys like Clark that we feel like the coaches might be might be talking to a little a little more heavily considering the pandemic? Yeah, I don't think so. I think Dunn is the one to keep your eye on um, because, uh, you know, he's he said it publicly a few times that he's closer to the end than he is the beginning. And then, you know, we hear some things around. So I, I would expect that one um, to wrap up in, in the next few weeks at, at the latest. Um, and then after that, I mean, it's been quiet with 2021. They haven't offered – Outside of Jabari Smith, who doesn't really count because, you know, like we talked about last time. Jabari Smith. Yeah, like we talked about last time. Outside of that, they haven't offered anyone in 2021 since May, uh, since early May. So it seems like they are settled on the offers and are going to kind of see what happens um, with the guys they have offers from. So really just look out for DeMarco Dunn. Maybe look out for uh, another cut list from Salas. And, and just we'll keep tabs on Harrison Ingram as well because that could happen at any time too. Awesome. Thank you. Sean, uh, you know, Sherelle's talking about there's, there's not a ton offer-wise that we feel like may change for the 21 class. I'm assuming that's probably going to mean that since there are some, some new 
uh, lessened restrictions on transfers and grad transfers that that might affect this class. You got any feelings about that one way or another, Sean? I mean, it'll definitely be, be interesting in terms of, you know, right now it's a pretty limited pool. Um, and we're talking about Dunn and, and Salas, and there's a lot of eggs in, the, in those, those baskets. Um, so, you know, if they miss out on, on those two, or maybe they get one or two, it'll be interesting to see. I think, you know, moving forward to, to March, April, you'll probably have a ton of guys on the market. So, you know, th there could be those opportunities, but I think as, as we've learned, you don't want to depend on, on relying on, on those at the end, um, more so just trying to patch things up if, if you need it. Uh, but going back to the 2022 class, once again, there's, there's four offers out, two lead guards, um, kind of a, a four, three in Mitchell and then a, a big man. So I think you'll start to see some of those offers, um, you know, probably, advance as well as they look to build out really that that 2022 class but once again last year the 2021 class really didn't start getting built out until january february so you know yeah last year we were like no offers to 2021 what is going on <laughs> it's like december we're like why haven't they offered so and so i, I would stress too to to carolina fans the sense of urgency outside of the Smith Center is always at least 10 times higher than the sense of urgency inside the Smith Center. And like even when me, Ben and Sean are talking about offers and, you know, interest in these guys, we have to remind ourselves that they are just they're way more calm about um, offers and that kind of thing than I think we think they should be. Um, that's just the way it is. So I always try Don't to remind they know we got a show to do. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's be real here don't they know we have content that we have to deliver to inside carolina subscribers yeah if, uh, if you're coach Williams, if you're listening uh hit me or shine <laughs> up and let us know hey that's that's actually a good perspective not the coach williams note but the the <laughs> fact that everybody outside the smith center is probably a little more in tune uh from an anxiety standpoint than the folks within the smith center so that's a good good reset before we go home today um, boys, I appreciate the time. As always, you guys bring great insight, and I think it's really a, a nice enhancement and, and really boosts up, even in a dead period, right? Like, pardon the pun, but even in a dead period when there's nothing going on but a stinking pandemic, you guys are still bringing the info even when there's not a lot to go around, so I appreciate it. Uh, I want to give one more big shout-out to Johnny T-Shirt. Hit him up. Get your pandemic mask. They got Argyle mask, y'all. I mean – if we ever thought we would need Argyle masks, but Johnny T-shirts <laughs> on the spot and they have them and they look really good. JohnnyT-shirt.com. Be sure to check them out. Once again, a reminder, if you are not an Inside Carolina premium subscriber, football starts Saturday. There's a heck of a promo going on right now. Get in on that uh, and then make sure you take care of all the uh, advantages and benefits that come with being an Inside Carolina premium subscriber. If you're listening to this, which I don't know how else you would be hearing me say this, uh, be sure that you rate and review us, subscribe to Inside Carolina's podcast, get everything because it's getting ready to be a ton of stuff coming at you. Um, and we appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate you tuning in. Uh, big shout out to John Siegley for producing, for Sean Moran, for Sherelle McMillan. I'm Joey Powell. This has been the Coast to Coast podcast on Inside Carolina, InsideCarolina.com. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by johnnytshirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. 
Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.